everybody. My name is Pastor Pastor Plate, the pastor of the Bedside Baptist Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. Oh, and did I tell you we Catholic too? That's right. Don't leave your brain at the door. No, no. Leave your money in the plate. <laughs> Don't disrespect my fried chicken or my chocolate cake. No, no. The doors of the church is open. Come on in. Every day and every night. At the Bedside Baptist Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. Don't leave your brain at the door. And we have an author here with us right now. Ted Jackson, and how are you this morning for the afternoon? Having a wonderful day today. You're having a wonderful day. You just came from the festival? Yes. Oktoberfest at Summit, Mississippi. <laughs> That's right. We were, we were signing books at uh, Gulf South Galleries mm-hmm. and uh, seeing some, a lot of old friends. It's just wonderful to see You're from here. Us. I am from here. I grew up here. I left in seventy nine ish, and um, it's um, you lose track of a lot of folks in that amount of time, and it's wonderful to come back. So where did you go? Uh, I left here to go to USM to to study journalism, and from there we went. My wife and I and our family went to New Iberia, Louisiana, and. Found ourselves in the middle of Cajun country, which was so much fun. Uh-huh. I, I thought that it can't be that different from Macomb because it's only three hours away. But, but you uh, learned different. We got some education there. Mm-hmm. And then after two years there, we went to New Orleans. Uh, Novo Orleans. Yes, to the times Picayune. <laughs> <laughs> and so you said you took journalism and, and you're, you've gone on. Have you heard about digital journalism? As well, well, not for a long time we didn't, but mm-hmm. uh, it, probably around Ka- Hurricane Katrina, when Katrina hit, we were just starting to dabble in in the online, uh, not being online, but really what it meant. And uh, when uh, we couldn't publish the physical newspaper to deliver to people who weren't even in New Orleans anymore, uh, we discovered the power of the online presence that uh, people were. Um, obviously trying to find out news from their hometown any way they could. And, and we were the it's nothing line. like going on your little computer that you carry in your pocket. <laughs> Google, Google, Google. That's right. <laughs> Everything is there at your fingertips. And that's, that's amazing. Uh, have you written any books lately, or is you still just sort of working on the newspaper. This is my one and only book. Oh, really? My one and only book. I've um, been a photographer for 37 years as a, a photojournalist. And, um, but uh, there was this one story that stuck with me through my career, um, besides all the other incredible stories that, uh, that I had the honor of working on. Uh, this one stuck with me that uh, I felt like I needed to write more about. Well, give us a hint. Well, in 1990, I was given a simple assignment to go look for a homeless camp that my editor had found had just passed by on a Sunday afternoon. And by Tuesday, he said, you're not doing anything this afternoon, so why don't you take a a look at this homeless camp that I saw? Uh, I said, what makes it unique? What's different about it? And he says, it's set up like a living room. And so I, that sounded interesting. So I headed down there and 
the couches and the end tables and the little camp stove that was all so neatly arranged had now been turned upside down. There was no one there. So it wasn't a story to, to work. So I headed back to my car, which was about three, 400 yards away from that spot. And on the way back, I came across a single man sleeping on a rusty box spring. And I shot his picture because his camp was so neat looking. His shoes were lined up, socks tucked in, clothes folded, and a newspaper was laid folded next to his elbow. And I climbed up on the bridge because it was such a unique look, made a single photo and climbed down. Didn't think anything about the picture. It was, it was interesting, but I'd, I'd never do anything with it. And then I woke him up to ask him if he knew what happened to this camp that I was looking for. And he said, um, well, some kids were coming down the highway and shooting their guns into the camp and ran them all off. He said, why do you want to know? And I said, well, I'm a photographer with the Times-Picayune and was going to do a story about homelessness. And he said, the title of the book, he said, you ought to do a story about me. And wow. I, I said, why? Why would I want to do that? And he said, because I've played in three Super Bowls. So that got my attention. And <laughs> I didn't believe it. I asked him who he was. I figured I'd recognize a name like Terry Bradshaw or something like that. But who are you? And he said, my name is Jackie Wallace. And still it meant nothing, nothing to me. Nothing to you, huh? It meant nothing to me. And that's because I didn't grow up in, in New Orleans. I grew up here. And some people may remember that name, but if you lived in New Orleans, you knew that name immediately. He was a legend from high school at St. Aug High School, where he Saint was... St. Augustine? St. Augustine. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a the, the star quarterback who went on to Arizona to play college ball, became an all-pro, specialized in cornerback and specifically punt returns. He was drafted by the Vikings, played with the Colts, and finished with the Rams before he, uh, he so, eventually lost. What, what, what was the major causative factor that he became homeless? Well, he had never abused drugs. He had never had any trouble with that. He was he you know drank beer and some alcohol because that's normal in New Orleans even as a kid. So he had had a history with that, but there was never a problem. But it wasn't until after he left football that about a year or so later that his mother died. And he was so close to his mother. She was his rock. And after she died, the night of her funeral, uh, Jackie drove to his cousin's house, who was a drug dealer, and asked for a hit of crack uh, just to ease that loneliness and emptiness that he now felt. Um, he was just broken up over it, and his life was changed forever. My, and now that you've written the story about him, wh where is he now? Well, I hate to give the ending of the book away. Oh, okay. <laughs> but well, I will, no, we'll yes, come back. <laughs> yes, come back to that. Okay. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an incredible tale because uh, um, I shot that picture on a Tuesday. The next day was 4th of July, 1990. 
I came here on 4th of July to celebrate with my family. Went back the next day, shot more pictures. Jackie was still there. And um, I learned a lot more about his life. And uh, on Friday, it was on the front page of the newspaper, the story about this NFL player who was now had uh, fumbled his life, as the headline said. And uh, the next day, Jackie was swept up off the street by his St. Augustine teammates who mm-hmm. were still in town. And one specific, Burton Burns, was an assistant coach now at St. Augustine who had played with Jackie in high school. Burton was the one that, that, that found him, and uh, they, they had him in a rehab clinic in Baltimore by Monday. Was he what one story can do? It one was story. unbelievable. One story. It was unbelievable. About a person's life. And, right. and the name of your book again? You Ought to Do a Story About Me. You ought to do a story about me. Well, you ought to do one about me. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the sequel. You ought to do a story about me, too. <laughs> when you find out about my life, well, you'll trip. <laughs> well, um, where can we get this? Amazon? You can get it anywhere books are sold, but mm-hmm. uh, we love our independent dealers. And uh, so I, I like to encourage people in Macomb to check out Gulf South Galleries in Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a stock. Carolyn has a stock there. Uh, she has some signed and some not signed. So You, you know, what's amazing on. is I have a studio, an art studio, next to where you used to work. How about that, right? Right. I yeah. mean, really? <laughs> yeah, I had a, a, a little art studio there before I decided to go into journalism. Mm-hmm. And um, I envisioned a lot of things there at that that studio. I thought I'd be uh, doing all kinds of graphic art, but it, it turned into a sign shop, really, that was painting lettering on the side of trucks and things like that, which I, I really loved because it was, it was art. <laughs> I loved it. But, um, <clears throat> but I had a real strong desire to tell stories with my camera. Mm-hmm. Well, but also, too, is when COVID came, I put some chairs outside in the front, separated by about six feet apart. And I'm sitting there, and I look up, and I said, I've got to make something out of this art studio, a cultural center, Cross-Tech Cultural Center. And I had my first big outing. Uh, I had it at my house two weeks ago, my, where I live, out in the country. And I had a band there, and oh, it was just beautiful. I had my son cook, and... I think we had, the people just enjoyed it so much. And the lady that runs the homeless shelter was there with some homeless men. Oh, wow. And we fed them. And guess what? She says, Fern, you got to do this again next month. So I've got a man coming in from Texas who plays a mean saxophone. And he's going to join our band, Everyday People Band. And we're going to have another one. So I'd like to invite you. Oh, that would be awesome. And to come up and enjoy it. And I want to thank you so much for uh, being on. Uh, don't leave your brain at the door. <laughs> 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 and you know what that I always says? That's a wrap. Read and pray. Dress and obey. Peace out.